Good evening. It's good to see you. As I said this morning, in many ways, I think for me this feels this weekend like the jumping off point because as we go into Palm Sunday and through Maundy Thursday, Good Friday and into Easter Sunday and beyond because of the 40 days with Jesus that we're going to be starting on Easter Sunday, because of that, this is really the point, the last opportunity to look deep within our own hearts and lives as part of our Lenten introspection, a chance to reflect. And then we think very much more about welcoming people from the town and the community, think about preaching the Easter story and so on. So there's a defining moment here this weekend as we, in a sense, come to the end of one part of the journey and then embark on a new part of the journey. And this morning I said that in order to be people who are a forgiving people, in order to be people who are compassionate people, who uh, are gracious, merciful people, we need to know first that we are truly forgiven. And so tonight we're going to move through a time of reflection toward that time when we shall share bread and wine together. And the reflections really enable us to think a little more about how God in his mercy brought about our forgiveness. So as we begin this reflective service, let me lead you in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can gather again this night. We thank you for one another. We thank you for the assurance of your presence here with us. And further, as we meet here in the presence of Almighty God, we ask simply that you would help us to see this night the fullness of your great plan of salvation revealed in Jesus Christ. Help us to see that more clearly, to know what it cost, and to know that we are unequivocally forgiven in Christ. Help us to see that, that when we come to take bread and to take wine, we might come this night with a deeper understanding, with a deeper reverence, and above all with a deeper appreciation for the importance of these symbols. The symbols of your love and your mercy, your forgiveness shown in Christ's death upon Calvary's cross. Help us to see that again this night. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth, by finishing the work you gave me to do. We're going to think about how John 
perhaps many, many years later, maybe talking to a younger disciple of events now well past, reflected back upon that night, perhaps the words of John. We were there in the upper room, just us and Jesus, the night drawing in, the end drawing near. We knew it, he knew it. There could be no doubt anymore, not for any of us, no question of a last minute reprieve. We'd seen Judas sneaking out, darkness in his eyes, and we knew that it wouldn't be long before the vultures descended, hungry to devour their prey. We wanted him to run for it, back to Nazareth, back to Galilee, back to the safety of the wilderness, anywhere but here in Jerusalem. But he wouldn't listen, of course, wouldn't even consider it. So we stayed with him, nervous, fearful, one eye over our shoulders, but determined to do our best for him. He was under no illusions. He knew full well what was coming. An ugly, agonising death. And it was getting to him. Eating away inside. That much we could all see. When he broke bread, he was trembling. Clearly petrified about what lay ahead. And as he shared the wine, there was a sob in his voice. A tear in his eye. Yet then he spoke softly, gently. Almost as if in a dream. And we realised he was praying. Not for himself, but for us. Not for his own life but for the life of the world. (laughs) I know that sounds hard to believe, but it's true. Honestly, I was there. It wasn't his death that was troubling him. It was the fear that we wouldn't stay together, that somehow we'd become divided, even end up fighting amongst ourselves. God knows why he thought that. But you could see how worried he was, how much our unity meant to him. Was his dying wish in a way, his last request, that we would stay together. One people, one faith, one God. I'm sure he needn't have worried, least of all at a time like that. All right, so we've had our differences since then, I admit it. We don't always see things the same way, and maybe once in a while we have even fallen out. But I honestly can't imagine anything major coming between us. Can you? Not in the long run. After all, we're his disciples, aren't we? Each one of us all called by him, all confessing the same Lord. And what could ever be more important than that? 
Lord Jesus Christ, your body was broken for us. You endured the agony of the cross to reconcile us to God, to break down the barriers that divide us, to make us one. Forgive us when we erect new barriers in the place of the old. Barriers that divide us from one another, that separate church from church and Christian from Christian. Help us to recognise that you died not just for some of us, but for all of us. And help us to understand that nothing which keeps us apart can be more important than the truth which binds us together. This we pray in the name of our Saviour. Amen. Father, as we bring our gifts, our lives, before you again this night, we do so above all with a sense of thanksgiving and a sense of being humbled there at the foot of the cross. But Lord, you are pleased to use those who are contrite and humble. And so as we offer ourselves, we do so saying, use us, that good news might go forth, seen in our lives, heard in our words, and seen as light emanating from our church. This we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Again, as we reflect on what happened during the course of these hours, we think about perhaps a conversation that might have taken place between one of the priests, certainly, and I don't know, perhaps one of uh, his colleagues, a fellow leader. Perhaps the words of one of the priests. 30 pieces of silver. That's all it took. 30 measly pieces of silver to betray his closest friend. Can you believe that? We couldn't. We'd expected a hundred at least, probably more. But we started low just to play safe, expecting him to haggle, see how high we'd go. You should have seen him, though, hardly able to contain himself. Eyes almost popping out of his head. He could hardly keep his hands off it, the greedy devil. I honestly think he'd have settled for less if we'd pushed him. But we were in no mood for playing hard to get after three years of scheming. Three years of waiting. 
No, we'd finally got our man. And we'd got him where we wanted him. For 30 pieces of silver. Money. (laughs) The depths people will sink to for it. Selling their very souls. It's incredible. Pathetic, really. As if anyone can really imagine it can buy them happiness. Well, it didn't do Judas much good, that's for sure. Just a few days later, there he was again crawling over our doorstep, actually expecting sympathy. I've been a fool, he told us, betrayed an innocent man. Well, he was a bit late for that, wasn't he? A little far on in the day to start having scruples. The damage was done, from his point of view anyway. There was no going back. Jesus was done for. It was all over, bar the shouting. We couldn't have undone his actions even if we'd wanted to. And of course we didn't want to. To be truthful, we'd rather enjoyed watching Judas squirm Served the wretch right. And that's how we saw it, even if he had done us a favour. Anyway, we told him eventually to get lost. He'd made his bed, he could lie on it. Only he couldn't. Not anymore. (laughs) Couldn't live with himself. Lord, it's easy to condemn Judas, the man who let you down, the man who, with so much going for him, threw it all away. Yet, in our hearts, we know that we have no right to judge. Each day, in so many ways, we betray you. We betray ourselves. We betray our loved ones. We say one thing, but we do another. We talk of high ideals, but we fail to reach them. We mean well, but we act foolishly. Lord Jesus Christ, save us from judging others, lest we too be judged. We ask it in your name. Amen. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I'm deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. 
and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We think upon perhaps how Peter might have still with a great deal of sorrow reflected back on that night. He was broken hearted if you ask me. And I can hardly say I blame him. I think I'd have felt the same. You see, he expected it from the others, the scribes, the Pharisees. He knew they had it in for him from the start. And the crowds who'd followed him welcomed him into Jerusalem. He wasn't taken in by them, not for a moment. Even Judas, he saw the truth about him before anyone else had an inkling. But the rest of us, I think he'd hoped for something better. Not that he asked much. He knew I'd deny him, despite all my protestations of loyalty. And he knew that we'd all run for it when it was our skins on the line. He'd accepted that and still loved us. God knows why. But there, in the garden, that's when he needed us most. That's when he'd hoped for that little bit more. Just to know we cared. That we were behind him. That we were there. It would have meant so much. And we failed him, even in that one simple thing. I still don't know how it happened. I tried. I really tried. But somehow I just could not keep my eyes open. I can forgive myself the rest. It was my life at stake, after all. But to stay awake... Just one hour. It wasn't much to ask, was it? And I couldn't even do that. He was broken hearted. Everything seemed to have gone for him, gone from him. And I know, in a large part, it was all down to me. Lord Jesus Christ, we hear so much in church about joy and celebration that we sometimes feel it wrong to feel anything else. Yet in Gethsemane, you knew the pain of sorrow, the agony of betrayal, denial, rejection, 
you experience life at its darkest and found it hard to bear. Lord, may that truth give us strength in times of need. The ability to face grief openly, honestly. Knowing that once again you have been there before us and that you understand our pain. Again, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. We've thought about perhaps how John reflected back on the past, maybe talking to a younger disciple. How one of the priests reflected back on those events, perhaps talking to a colleague. And how Peter, with still a great sense of sorrow, perhaps reflected back on the events in Gethsemane. We come now to the Apostle Paul reflecting back, but there's no supposition now, for we know this is actually what he both said and wrote. He wanted the church in Corinth to really understand this, and it's a very important part of the central part of his first letter to the Corinthian church. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He went out and he agonized in the garden of Gethsemane. He faced the treacherous kiss of his betrayer, was arrested, tortured, unjustly tried and crucified. That is how far God was prepared to go through his one and only Son to win our forgiveness.